once you start moving into leadership, you are no longer dabbling in as much craft. So be sure that you feel as a creative, you have said what you have wanted to say and that you have moved your craft to the best of your ability and that you're ready to step away from the craft a little bit. Another week. Welcome back, guys. Uh, this is the Edit Undo podcast, and today we are speaking to Lauren Kutsia. So, Lauren was actually my very first manager at my very first job at Ogilvy uh, Johannesburg. And I'm quite excited to speak to her because a lot's happened since then. But we are going to specifically chat about firstly, how do you find a balance in environments such as agency and advertising? Then we're also going to deep dive a little bit into what it means to be a woman in the advertising space in South Africa, which we find is still a little bit more male-dominated, and how to navigate that space and make the most of it. But before I give it all away, uh, welcome Lauren, it's so nice to see your face again, um, <laughs> and welcome to the show. <laughs> no, well, thank you for having me, and I would first like to say, I think, thank you to both of you for what you're doing in the industry. I think that what the conversations that you're having with people have been really important, um, and especially this topic. I think it's, it's a little bit of a sensitive topic, not mm. many people are talking about it, so Hopefully I won't bombard the conversation and sort of, I hope I give it justice. But yeah, but yeah. thanks to both of you for what you're doing. I think it's really great and it's fun and it's inspiring. Yeah. yeah. And I agree with you. It is a, it can be a sensitive topic, but it's, a, you know, it's one the three of us can navigate as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to also force ourselves to talk about it, to see what comes up from all our shared individual experiences. And yeah, mm -hmm. but um, maybe to get us started, can you give us a brief intro to, you know, what your creative background's been uh, up until now? Okay, perfect. So I would say, I'm probably going to give my age away, but sort of it's over 15 years of a very interesting kind of creative mm -hmm. journey. Started off in fashion design and makeup artistry and then realized that I really still wanted to get into the whole design, especially editorial. Uh, so I had the opportunity to study overseas. So I got my degree in the United States and I started working um, as an intern for a software company and then sort of started trying to navigate my space. And when I came back here, I realized how much I really wanted to get into that traditional design. So I worked for the most incredible stationery company and we did all like bespoke, like letter pressing, very tangible, mm -hmm. sort of beautiful artwork. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then it was time to move. It was time to grow and sort of see where I could go. And the, the, the design world was changing at that stage as well. Digital was becoming such a large and important component mm -hmm. of design. So I had to sort of hop onto that bandwagon, self-teach myself, mm -hmm. and um, does that even make sense? Self-teach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I sort of I had to <laughs> navigate that space. And also because I was yeah. a little bit older than sort of people in that trajectory and that sort of journey. And um, went to a few different agencies from very small bespoke agencies. And then, as you know, landed up at uh, the big O. And I think that was really the big start of what I find where I found myself as a designer mm. and what I really wanted to do. And it also happened to be that I was helping and sort of managing people mm. and sort of forming these really close bonds with people and helping other people in their journey. 
And from there, I transitioned over to Ogilvy Cape Town and sort of managed sort of the social digital department over there. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, as you know, that's when I realized that agency life couldn't do it anymore and started my own little studio. And now I'm back in, it's not your traditional agency, but it's uh, sort of more of a different way of working. So now Mm -hmm. I'm the senior design director at Superside. And they don't classify or we don't classify ourselves as an agency. We sort Mm -hmm. of this beautiful community of creators working on a global scale. And that's where I am now. So it's been like a long journey, but I think it's been fun. I've been able to meet the most incredible people along the way and Mm -hmm. learn so much, not only as a creative, but about myself sort Mm -hmm. of as an individual and a female in the creative industry. So so it's been a ride. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's sure. amazing. So yeah. Um, if if you don't mind me asking, so I, I mean, sorry, I just wanted to um actually ask because you've you sort of mentioned that you've been in th- pretty much three kinds of um agencies, you know, during your internship time, your time at Ogilvy, and then running your own shop, and then um Superside. What what would you say is the the biggest difference that you've experienced if you were speaking to somebody who is maybe kind of like looking to follow um, your sort of path or enter like the, the, the ad space, um, but isn't necessarily sure what kind of company to look at. I think that's really interesting. I think it has so many different facets of where mm-hmm. that can go. Uh, when you're on your own, you truly are managing yourself. And it's a whole different mindset from when you're working in an agency. And the reason why I did make that move to go on my own is because I've been able to develop a lot of relationships, a lot of confidence in myself and my work, mm-hmm. but also just feeling the sense of in the agency world, it wasn't normal what we were doing. The mm-hmm. hours we were working is not normal. And I felt that no matter how much pushback I came, I could never or sort of gave, I could never find that balance for myself or mm-hmm. for the team that I was sort of working with, collaborating with and helping Um, so I think that if you're going to decide to go on your own, it's so important that you have those firm relationships Mm -hmm. and that you do have this sort of, sort of sense of who you are as a person, who you are as a creative and sort of navigating Mm -hmm. that space. And, but if you feel that you're not, you kind of don't know what direction that you want to go then, then I think it's definitely staying within that agency world. And it doesn't have to be a large agency. Mm-hmm. I formed beautiful relationships and did amazing work in very small bespoke agencies. Mm-hmm. But then you also have to understand that there's so many different dynamics and different opportunities that you can get from a larger agency compared to a smaller one or even on your own. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's actually answered your question. <laughs> no, no. I don't feel that it really has. Um, um, but it is, it, it, yeah. And I, I think the internship was also, if we had to touch on that, was one of the best things that I ever yeah. did. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. even though it was a really struggle of that time management, because I was studying really long hours, but I needed to make an income to sort of pay for my studies, it really taught me about being a part of something and I realized like this really is what I want to do and maybe Mm -hmm. that's what's the really sort of beautiful star point of being in an internship is you Mm -hmm. can sort of decide is design actually going to be for me or is this world going to be for me or not and you Mm -hmm. haven't sort of stuck yourself in this crazy world and it was almost also that sort of at, uh, sort of dipping your toes into the, the water yeah. and preparing yourself for big agency life. 
mm-hmm. because it's nuts. I mean, if we all look back at agency world, it, it's crazy. It's a it's a planet that you can't describe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's wild. It's yeah. stressful. It's beautiful. It's you know you have that those days where you love what you're doing and you love the people, mm. and the next day you're like, what am I doing with my life? Very bipolar, um, almost completely. Yeah. Really, yeah. it is. And I think we've all had those conversations. Mm. Like you sit down with a person that's sitting opposite you, like, what are we doing with our lives? But then the next day you come back, you're like, look what we created. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, it's amazing and it's beautiful. But I think, but I feel very lucky that I've been able to dabble in all of those sort of scenarios. But I feel that each one prepared myself for the next step. Mm-hmm. And if I'd never mm-hmm. done the internship, I would never have been prepared to go into agency world. And if I never did agency world, I would never be prepared to go on yeah. my own. Yeah. So. I can definitely uh, say I agree with you on that point and especially for any youngsters listening. I found that an internship completely changed the the start of my career and for instance for me I uh, did an internship in my second year of varsity Mm -hmm. and I was on the route of traditional brand media and communication design And I did an internship and thankfully the people at the agency I was interning at Aqua Online had no idea where I was supposed to go. So they kind of just threw me to the middle of the room table, which coincidentally was the interaction design team. And obviously just dipping my toes into that experience after a month there, I then went back to Vasti and said, okay, Now that I've seen and done this thing that I've fallen in love with, there's no way I can just major in branding. And I then kind of stayed an extra year and changed majors or double major to uh, really rather delve into interaction design. But just, yeah, I agree that internships can expose you to firstly, which environments are most suitable to you. Mm -hmm. And then also just reaffirming to yourself what you want to be going into because I had interaction design I think as like a little elective for eight weeks but it wasn't enough Mm -hmm. and it wasn't in the real world context to fall in love with that practice Mm -hmm. to actually shift over to to that side of the creative world. And I really Mm -hmm. love that you use those words like falling in love with what you're doing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because for myself, the internship solidified the fact that I loved branding and sort of logo communication design. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was that stamp of approval that what you're doing, what you're Mm -hmm. studying and spending all that money in um, (laughs) is really what you love. And ironically, the company that I did the internship through was a software company. And I also realized digital design for me at that stage or app design was not really what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I was very happy and content with making all the fluffy branding items or the components Mm. of the software. Mm. But I knew I wasn't comfortable enough of at that stage going into digital. And it really is. I think also a lot of people have this dream or this connotation of what a graphic designer or being creative is. And Mm -hmm. if you have the opportunity to be an intern, you can really make sure that you are going to be passionate and fall in love. You need a lot of passion and love for what you do in this industry. No matter Mm -hmm. how you dabble or what your journey Mm -hmm. is going to be, it needs a lot of love and dedication. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so yeah, as you say, I just love those words that 
an internship will help you make sure yeah. if you're going to fall in love with what you're going to do. And maybe yeah. that's for every industry, but I think especially for the yeah. creative industry. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to go back to okay. one thing you said, which was uh, the agency life can be absolutely nuts, to quote you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I didn't spend much time in agency. I was there for, I, I got 11 months of experience in advertising and agency before I decided it wasn't for me. Then you also have this massive um, cloud of, um, how would I say, assumptions of what agency and advertising is like. We have, you know, the likes of the Mad Men series, which is kind of dictating or reaffirming again this idea of the agency environment, of the toxicity that comes with it. And I would want to hear your opinion because you, you've, like you've mentioned, you've had a lot mm-hmm. more agency experience. Is it all bad or what, what is this? You know, you say it's nuts. Is that a, a good yeah. nut <laughs> or a bad one? <laughs> is it it's roasted? Is it salted? <laughs> <laughs> definitely 50-50 salted on the one side and very bland on the other side. <laughs> and then the other side kind of has like little sprinkles on the top. Mm. Um <laughs> I think it is. I think it's it's nuts in the sense of how everything just moves all the time and there's no stopping for anybody. Mm-hmm. But then there's this a magnificent drive that comes with that, that you feel that you're part of something like really special mm-hmm. and that even though there's this crazy momentum, you know in the end there's going to be this outcome which everyone can sit back and be like, look what we have done. Mm -hmm. And we've done this together with blood, sweat, and tears. Um, I would say if I look back on all the work I've done, like I was so proud, but then you always remember what went into that. And it's Mm -hmm. those late hours. It's Mm -hmm. those arguments with with other creatives. It's those creators are not willing to budge. And you're like, could this have been different? How could the outcome have come out if we'd all just collaborated and we didn't have all our egos? And there's a lot of egos in agency. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, we've got the egos of the people who are s- sort of so stuck in their creative rut that they're not willing to sort of expand their minds of sort of these, these new fresh faces who have this whole different mm. opinion. And mm-hmm. that's what I really enjoyed being a little bit older than everybody else in agency because I had the privilege of communicating and being able to guide these beautiful young minds who had either only been in agency life for a very small period of time or just graduated and were coming in, but super, super talented. And I was able to learn so much from them. Um, And that was also really important for me when I sort of guided for my journey through agency was making sure that I wasn't going to be one of those older creatives with a big ego that no one could approach or no one Mm. could feel that they could share their own creative minds with. Mm -hmm. Um, I think... There is always good and bad to every scenario that you're going to be in. If you're mm-hmm. in agency or you're going to be on your own, the good from agency is the the budgets that you have, um, the support structure that you have, and all the different talents that comes together mm. to create one thing. Mm-hmm. The bad is that we're still dealing with a world that hasn't really changed from their traditional sort of trajectory, yeah. mm-hmm. that they haven't sort of adapted to the fact that things change. We're living in a world where everything is now digital. It works up algorithms. They're mm-hmm. smarter ways of doing things. So you're still stuck in that you will be here at eight o'clock and you'll probably only leave here at two o'clock tomorrow morning. 
and mm. that's what's mm. expected of you. Yeah, I and, remember I know, that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, Steph and I, we've always had these conversations that I wanted to make sure that that wasn't going to be the journey that I was going to take. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult. There was so much pushback. It was like, what do you yeah. mean you're not going to sit here until yeah. – And pressure. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was, you know, also that that saying where you leave at five and it's like half day. You leave at half day. (laughs) I I would be a millionaire if I counted the (laughs) amount of times people told me that. But Mm. I it was (laughs) it was so important for me not to have that kind of will because it's not normal. Mm. It's not normal for people to be working those amount of hours. Even though there's some projects it's beautiful, mm. you know, that magic that happens between like 12 and 2 in the morning. Yeah. But even saying that out loud, isn't that wild that that's just become so normal for us? Yeah. That it's, yeah, yeah that's just normal. Like it it's is. expected of you. But yeah. I, th- 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 so for me, that was the bad. It was th- of not being able to normalize the fact that we could work sort of normal hours or that maybe Mm. we could find a new and more efficient and effective way of working instead of this old school Mm -hmm. sort of path with this is how it's done and this is what's expected of you yeah yeah um that's 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 very interesting i mean i i spent about um two and a half years in agency as well um, and you know a lot of the things that you're saying are resonating with me. So I've I've got a, qu- a bit of a question about how you you handled that because I'm sure there are other people who um, you know are in a similar kind of situation and maybe are asking themselves questions about like you know how they might get like work life balance. And you mentioned the fact that you sort of drew boundaries for yourself. Like how did you actually go about sort of establishing those boundaries and maintaining them because you know in in a sense we can kind of like smile and laugh about it but at the same time it's like for some people they sort of feel stuck in that situation and so like what would you say from that perspective i think it was definitely sort of a it came with time but Mm -hmm. i definitely learned what i wanted for myself and the lifestyle that i was living so it was Mm -hmm being with someone who was going to be my life partner, um, sort of navigating a space of what happens outside of agency? What happens Mm. when I leave these doors? And what do Mm -hmm. I want to do before that and after that to have that balance? Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, at that time, I was living in Johannesburg. So we all know your your days are extended because of the the amount of travel Mm. that you have in a day. So at Mm -hmm. those stage, I was waking up at 4.30 willingly, because I decided I wanted to start my day with exercising. That was like really mm-hmm. important to me. I felt that if I didn't exercise, I was just a miserable person. Um, mm-hmm. So that was the way I started my day and, of course, getting to work. But then also after, it's like, what is going to happen? What are my responsibilities when I work out, walk out this door? And for me, mm-hmm. it was going out to dinner with my boyfriend or going home and preparing dinner because that was the way that I found my balance after my crazy day. Mm-hmm. And... It was hard because a lot of people couldn't understand it, but Mm -hmm. it was also about setting those boundaries from the beginning, saying, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, I I, I can be flexible at times, and I'm still like this. I can truly be flexible, especially because we never know how a project is going to go or what deadlines Mm -hmm. or what might happen, but for the majority of the time, these are the hours that I prefer to work, putting in 120% during those hours. And Mm -hmm. this is a time where, unfortunately, I need to focus on myself. 
And you do. You get that pushback. But I found if you if you set those boundaries from the beginning, people are mm-hmm. a little bit more flexible, but also you showing your flexibility. Yeah. Not being yeah. so headstrong that it's like, well, Lawrence was not willing to like move or sort of help <laughs> us out when we really, really need her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so as I said, but it was, uh, there was lo- so many, as I said before, so many times where it, I left even at like six or seven and still mm-hmm. even that was like half day, like, hmm, yeah. you know, but I was always there on time. I was either there earlier or also flexible to like answering emails later at night, but at least then mm-hmm. you're still in your home setting. Yeah. But as we've also learned, that has now changed sort of after the pandemic, we now yeah. in a more remote world. So mm-hmm. it's easier to have that balance. But yeah. set your boundaries from the beginning, no matter where you are um, or who you are, what your family structure, what your lifestyle might be like. But it's about finding things outside of agency life to find that, that yeah. balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's probably from from like my observation, maybe that's why it's so difficult for especially the younger people in this environment to to find that balance because you were referring to the you know your partner that you have and you Mm -hmm. already have a sense of self or at least a strong sense of self what is um what do you value you have very strong values set for your life already Mm -hmm. whereas let's say you're fresh out of varsity maybe this is your first or second job um you don't maybe you live alone so you don't have someone to go home to which mm-hmm. makes it very easy to say, cool, I'll just stay at the office or stay at the office bar until late because there's there's my mm-hmm. home little empty shell of apartment to go to, which makes it a lot harder to uh, get to the point where you are at. But mm-hmm. one thing I wanted to ask was or talk about is that you said it's very important to establish boundaries from the get-go. But I do find that when you first join a team or an agency and the environment is very social, there is this environment of every day after work, why don't we all just go have a drink or, you know, chill Mm -hmm. out at work a little bit. How can you give someone advice or how did you navigate this? Because I personally, I was still very young. I was 21 when I joined Ogilvy as well. And I... It, it was it felt like a lot of pressure um, to to say from the beginning, oh, I'm not a social person. I, I only drink when I'm on a wine farm <laughs> um, and not feel the pressure of going to the bar every afternoon because it's my first week and I'm really trying to make an impression mm-hmm. um, and impress people, you know, as a, in a new team and know people, get to know them. Mm-hmm. I think with that, it's so, of course, when I was when we worked and collaborated together at Ogilvy, I was, of course, studio manager and a senior Mm -hmm. designer. So I was navigating a group of people. And for me, what was really important is I still as much as I respected those people, I needed that respect in return as well. Mm. And I also had to find that balance of they still the team still needed to to feel like I was approachable. But mm-hmm. they also needed to still feel, okay, Lauren is still guiding my journey here. She's guiding our projects and she's still sort of managing this whole team. Mm-hmm. So for me, stepping over that of drinking and socializing with my team was going mm-hmm. to break that kind of relationship. Yeah. And I really didn't want to. Um, my father actually was the one who always taught me and he said, never get drunk in front of your colleagues 
because he said that's where respect, no matter who the person is in the company, the, the respect is lost because mm. we do. Alcohol makes us a little bit more comfortable. We're going to say things that maybe we're going to get the regret the next day. Mm-hmm. And that was where I learned that. So I never, of course, I did form very close relationships with a lot of the people at Ogilvy, but mm-hmm. all of that was done outside yeah. of the agency space. It was yeah. on weekends where we would be enjoying like a festival or something together, but also those people weren't a part of my team. So it was easier for me. Yeah. But you do, you have to find that space which is going to help you socially. If work does become your social sort of connection, mm. you also have to remember, is it then also breaking that respect? Will these people still have mm. respect for me if I move up in the company and one day maybe I'm managing them as well or sort of becoming a senior designer? Have I lost respect from people because of what how I was acting when I was 21 years old Mm -hmm. um or is it also a space where because you may not be socially sort of inept that you maybe feel that you would rather just go home which is fine Mm -hmm. and I am hoping that agency is changing that way that it's not expected for you to stay there and have a couple of drinks and not have those boundaries Mm -hmm. we also have to remember like mental health, sort of physical health, everything is so important to being able to be creative mm-hmm. in all sort mm-hmm. of do your daily job. If you're breaking that and you're finding that that social aspect is actually hurting either your mental or your physical health, mm-hmm. then you have to set those boundaries and you have to walk away from it. And I said it's very difficult yeah. because I haven't yeah. been in that traditional space now for what, three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am hoping that there's a lot more respect for the people who decide that it's not good for them to be staying after work and socializing and that they do want to have those boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. yeah. But it, it, it was difficult because I, sorry to interrupt, Elfie, but I, I was often came across as being very hard, um, sort of very unsocial or, Look at Lauren, she never wants to get involved, but I, I <laughs> needed to have those boundaries, even if no one understood them or joked about them. Mm-hmm. It was really important. And I'm, I feel very proud of that, mm-hmm. that I was able to do that. And I can count on like oh, one hand that. amount of times that I stayed at agency and had a beverage and it was normally a sparkling <laughs> water or something ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. please don't get me wrong. I enjoy an amazing glass of wine or perhaps a bottle of wine. Um, but it was so important for me to set that, um, those boundaries and to mm-hmm. keep that respect and integrity of the people that I worked with. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I think it, that's, that's, um, you've touched on a few really, really important things. And I think especially when you're, you're kind of like, um, young and getting into the industry it's not clear why you need to have those boundaries because you know you've come from the a life where your life is you know go to class and spend as much time as you can socializing (laughs) um and that's that's and i'd say for the typical person who from who goes from varsity to advertising like that that has been um their life for a long time so it's not clear why you actually need to set those boundaries and it's not even immediately evident when you first start working um, just because, you know, um, there is, there is like sort of people at different levels, but in an advertising agency, there's, there's sort of like a inviting sort of atmosphere to, to it. Like, it's kind of like, let's all go have fun together in the bar. And it's like, it's sort of the same sort of setting, but it means something different when you're a working person. 
so so you you're saying when you when you kind of are like in the working environment you can have a lot of your friends be in like people your social your social circle becomes the same people that you work with and um that's actually one thing that i i wanted to talk a little bit about because when i was in agency i i sort of tended to see that starting to happen and then it sort of makes a boundary of when you're talking about work and when you're in a work mind frame and when you're socializing it makes those lines really blurry um and like as you were sort of speaking i just wanted to wanted us to focus a little bit on you know even even if it does happen that the majority of your social circle is in your work the importance of developing a social circle and a life outside of work even in the in the early stages of your career you know it, it is good to be passionate about the work that you do but humans are sort of like multifaceted beings like it's 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 there are very few people who can live a fulfilled life that's truly focused on work um and and i i don't know if you if you've had had any thoughts on the matter or or kind of like encountered anything on that front um you are right and i think it's also creatives we are so passionate about what we do and our work is actually also like there's an emotional component to it as well mm-hmm. it's not just as simple as clicking a few buttons and sort mm-hmm. of putting something together um when it came to the boundaries i think also because of my position at the time that those boundaries were so important mm-hmm. because at the end of the day i still had to guide projects there had to be some sometimes that hard iron fist of like i'm sorry but you haven't done your job properly mm-hmm. and if those boundaries are blurred it's very difficult to either yeah. g- get that respect or get a good outcome that's going to be productive for either the client or for the agency mm-hmm. i think what i also did is i found another passion outside of being creative mm-hmm. and it was it's mountain biking I mean it's so okay. far removed <laughs> from from the agency life. <laughs> yeah. But I found a passion um and when I lived in the states it was snowboarding. So mm. it was something active and that might be something really different for other people. They might find that it's maybe it's so creative, but maybe it's painting or mm. it's it's something that's far removed from what you are doing every single day at agency. Mm-hmm. And also it goes back to the fact of if you are growing in an agency you re- you want to retain that respect from people and that's what the boundaries are going to help sort of to navigate and to guide that of when i grow with these people and i sort of lead them in a different direction will they still have respect for me 5 mm-hmm. 10 years down the line and i think we also have to remember as large as the agency world is especially in south africa it's actually mm-hmm. very small mm-hmm. and people talk Yes. People say things and it it can either be positive or it can be really negative and unfortunately mm-hmm. it can hurt you down the line. Yeah. Um and it is. It it people can lose respect for you so quickly and you never want that to happen. Mm-hmm. So setting those boundaries from the beginning, making sure there's no blurred lines. Um I think what's also really important to remember is if you are working and collaborating with people for 8 to 10 hours of your day mm-hmm. and then you're socializing with them, What happens when there's a bump in the road in that social aspect and then you still have to sit with these people for 8 yeah. to 10 hours a day? Mm-hmm. It might be something that you cannot repair from a social aspect. Something happened personally between the two of you, you disagreed on something, got mm. really ugly, and now you still have to partner and collaborate with this person. Mm-hmm. So there's so many facets to making sure that you can set those boundaries 
that you can sort of make sure there's no blurred lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also it's, you do, you meet people in the agency that you think, wow, like this is an amazing person that I feel that I have like this incredible connection to out of work, mm-hmm. but then just make sure yet again, am I collaborating with this person all the time? Um, that's what's really hard. Cause I say I've made mm-hmm. the most beautiful relationships and mm-hmm. I'm still friends with a lot of those people, mm-hmm. but thankfully I didn't have to partner with them every single day. And, um, I could still walk out the door feeling that I had gained a friend and mm-hmm. I'd still retained that respect as well. Yeah. 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 It's hard. Creative people are magic and <laughs> it's hard not to connect with, with people. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I want to pivot a little bit to the other topic we want to discuss, which is a little bit more sensitive around uh, the creative space, specifically in South Africa, and what that landscape looks like with um, a male dominance lens, so to say. And I'll I'll share a bit of my experience, uh, which is still very limited, but I guess that's where my bias or at least my opinion comes from. So it's a little bit uh, to sharing why it's informed. So I started my uh, first job at Ogilvy, a big agency. Um, and we, I think we, we only had male creative directors at the time, which um, doesn't say anything about the agency. So I'm not going to name drop a lot because I don't want to give shame to the actual brands and agencies I worked with or worked for, but rather speak about the general creative landscape within South Africa. So they were mostly, or actually all of our creative directors were uh, male at the time. So they Mm -hmm. weren't very senior females. Then when I started freelancing um, with a few big clients within South Africa Mm -hmm. um, and consultancies as well, I'm thinking back and I was doing this just before I was asking the question and every single one, the team I engaged with or the senior who I needed to review with, who briefed me, who I collaborated with, all of those were male. And now I'm thinking back and yes, we, it's easy to say, know this space that we are, uh, our profession, our landscape of creativity in South Africa, it's not as male dominated anymore. Maybe that's true. It's not as male dominated, Mm. but I do still think, um, just this funny exercise of me reflecting on my experience working with at least 10 different companies and brands. Mm. It is not a coincidence that not a single person I engaged with there was not a female creative. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear your experience as well, um, working in different agencies, small agencies, big agencies, to where you are now. Uh, do you think that's true still? Has it changed? Or what has your experience been? Well, as I say, yet again, I mean, my landscape of not being in the agency for the past couple of years is mm. sort of... I hope that it has changed since I last got there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you are completely correct. My experiences were exactly the same. Every person that I was either reporting to or was sort of a leader or the person briefing me, majority of the time was going to be male. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started seeing that I was one of the very few females sitting at a table mm-hmm. in a managerial or sort of senior position. Mm-hmm. And it was it was very troubling for me because I found 
that my opinion didn't matter or when I did share my opinion, it was like, there, Lauren goes again, or it wasn't respected as much as if one of the male counterparts were sort of saying the same thing, even if we were on the same seniority. That I found really, really interesting. Mm. I think what was really profound for me was how people thought I got there. And you can use your imagination to what was suggested Mm. as to how Mm -hmm. I got to my senior positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was very difficult because I was yeah. like, wow, I have worked so hard to, yeah. to get here. I've taken every opportunity that I could. Mm-hmm. And you're insinuating that I've had to do something um, sort of unfavorable in mm-hmm. order to get here. And I mm-hmm. say, please use your imagination because everything has kind of been thrown at me. <laughs> um, and I think it was, it, was, <laughs> what was really interesting is I was listening to a podcast with Amy Fuller and she was talking about her journey of being a comedian in a very male-dominated yep. world mm-hmm. and how she got there and how there was one point in her career where, of course, she was being recognized. There was award nominations and someone mm. said to you, can you believe that like you're seeing your face on a billboard? And for her, it was like, yes, I can believe that this is where I've got because mm. I've worked damn hard to get here. Mm. So, yes, like it's been a really rough road yeah. and I'm really proud of what I've done. And that was also always like, wow, Lauren, like how did, how did you get here? Like, mm. I, gosh, I can you believe it? And I wish also at that time I said, yes, I can believe that I'm here mm-hmm. because I spent so much time navigating my journey here. But also I found myself, and Steph, you and I also discussed this, is I started becoming and having the sense of I had to almost become one of the guys. Mm. So I am very lucky. I have beautiful, strong relationships with a lot of male figures in my life. Mm -hmm. And I was really able to form sort of good professional relationships Mm. with males. But Mm -hmm. there was still this underlying factor of you're still a female in my world. And I don't know if I can sort of help you navigate the space. And that, that was really, really difficult. And I did, I found myself changing my appearance a little bit Mm -hmm. in a more masculine way. I had very short hair. I, I, maybe, I think it probably was subconsciously, but I started wearing like heavily tailored clothing. Um, I cut my hair very short. I took on this more masculine approach Mm. and I found that I was being respected a little bit more, which is Mm. like, when I think back at it now, like, was I doing that intentionally? Mm. Yeah. Or because I started seeing that people were respecting me a little Mm. bit more that then I just continued to do it. Mm. Um, but I, I, th- I think it's it, it's so difficult, and I think what's also really difficult is the few females that I had the opportunity to work with who were a lot more senior than myself. I personally didn't have respect for them because mm. I felt they were still navigating more of that masculine mm. space and mm-hmm. not finding that balance of let's have equality for everybody. Yeah. Um, so I think it, I think it is going to be very slow. I think we are seeing a massive improvement, Mm -hmm. but I think it's still up to females and males to have support Mm -hmm. for for both males and females and Mm -hmm. to find that equality. We both have to work very hard. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all about having respect for for everybody, no matter who you are, and respecting how each individual has come to to their place in agency Mm -hmm. and also just having sort of the respect of 
of who they are and what they can bring to the table, no matter if they're male or they're female. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what's really, really yeah. important. And I yeah. do hope, I hope that there is going to be a change. And I think what's also really important is the education value of bringing females into senior positions who yeah. deserve to be there, mm-hmm. not just to say on a piece of paper, yes. we have X or percentage amount of females in the space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like females who have truly deserved to be there um, mm-hmm. because of what they can offer, because that's also where the respect yeah. is really yeah. going to start coming in. Mm-hmm. Not just to fill that diversity slide in the year-end Correct. presentation. <laughs> yes. yeah. mm-hmm. Before I share yeah. more of my opinions, uh, I would wa- really want to hear a little bit from Alfie, because he's mm-hmm. the only male in the room. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we have different experiences in the world. So, yeah, Alfie, yeah. go ahead. What what's What's your experience been? Speaking on behalf of all men in the world. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because I think my, my journey has been, a, I, I guess, a, a less than typical one. So it's always a little bit difficult for me to, to, to really compare what I've experienced to, I guess, the, the next person. But I think for me, one of the things that I have realized, um, and it was a difference, especially between being in advertising versus eventually moving to the back. Um, and in a sense, this speaks towards um, males versus females, but also other sort of dimensions of diversity. One of the things that I found in advertising is it was very like... Um, monolithic in the sense of like you'd have one sort of dominating or, or um majority Figure, yeah. whether it's it's gender whether it's race whether it's like even just a t- certain type of person and they sort of are the majority and then kind of like there are a few people who are kind of like minority groups here and there in each kind of if, of um company whether it's you know like a bunch of men and then like one or two ladies or it's a bunch of afrikaans guys and then um like one or two from uh, another another culture and then when i moved to the bank that was the first time that i actually saw diversity at scale like you'll have women women in in top senior positions you have older people at the same le- level as me who are like double my age you you've got like um you know, people from completely, completely different upbringings. And it's it's so crazy to see. But, but then at the same time, it also makes me think, like, even though the agencies are not in a good place, it's a more complicated problem than it looks like. And, um, you know, yeah. Lauren, when, when you were speaking specifically about how we need to let the people who deserve the opportunities get those opportunities, I think that identifying the ones that deserve the opportunity is the part that's maybe harder than we might let on. Because, because you know, we've got this idea of what it might look like when everything is great and we've got people of all sort of races, genders and backgrounds in leadership positions. Like, it's a great place to be, but the road getting there for me is what's not um, completely clear. And I think one of the reasons that I say that, it, it sort of came up in our previous discussion with Inez, um, she she runs a, a, a non-profit organization for um, ladies in the UX space. And one of the things we found is like, you know, when you need to sort of set regulations, for example, about how uh, um, um, relating to gender, when you're in a big company, all the decisions that you make have got huge ripple effects. 
you know it affects your bottom line it affects your your employee base it, it affects um the interpersonal relationships between people and so you're in such a sort of like um conservative mindset when you need to es- essentially establish um regulation at, at that sort of scale mm-hmm. but then in in situations like this in this conversation that we're having having in in sort of environments that Inez has sort of put um put together those are sort of the places where we have the opportunity to to learn how to make things better without high risk and i think things like that are yeah. so important and you know it speaks um maybe indirectly to what you were mentioning Lauren about having things outside of your work that you do because the way we learn how to treat each other with respect is not only in the workplace it's also in our interpersonal relationships yeah. and in the activities that we do outside of work and we learn how to deal with each other in those sort of spheres and then we can bring those learnings to the workplace and so for me like i think going to work at absa was amazing because i realized i had a lot of biases that i didn't know about like i didn't know i didn't realize that i majority only worked with young people and then you sort of step into a space where they're like people who are like okay i need to go and pick up the kids now and i'm like that's not something that i i encountered before and and you know you it, it's sort Off of day. <laughs> exactly that would be the standard reaction <laughs> um how dare so, you um so i just think i think it was interesting to sort of see what things look like in a situation where diversity is not a huge issue um and diversity of mm. all kinds um yeah so yeah. that that's my two cents on the matter And there there's so many things that you were saying there that were kind of like triggering all these like ideas and mm-hmm. you know you want to like write them all down like right on this topic. Um mm-hmm. it is and I think why should we be living in a world like we where we are now where we don't have that diversity being mm-hmm. either gender, race, um mm-hmm. age, it's mm-hmm. just it's so important. And it's yeah. just so sad that you had to transition from the agency world into something a little bit more corporate or a completely different industry mm-hmm. to to realize that or to actually see that it's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um and I think what's really important is especially if we have to hone in on the topic of the females in mm-hmm. sort of and especially maybe also older females being mm-hmm. in a space if you have a voice make sure that you don't feel that it's being stunted in the place that you are mm-hmm. but also make sure that if you have a voice it's with reason and it's with a lot of purpose mm-hmm. um i think often we we find that there's people who really want to make changes but they don't have solutions there's no purpose to what they're saying so of course then they're not going to be moving up so especially as a female mm-hmm. if you're going to talk talk loud and proud but make sure you're saying it with a purpose sure. and mm-hmm. that you're having some kind of solution that's coming with it. I also found that that was really like what I had to try and navigate is mm-hmm. take those 2 minutes to really think about what I'm about to say mm-hmm. to make sure that as soon as it comes out it's eloquent, it's strong, it's bold and it's confident. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's what's really really important. Yeah. Um but I really do hope that these kind of conversations are going to start and they're going to be happening more often. and making mm-hmm. sure that everybody who deserves opportunity no matter what industry they are but specifically for females that they're being put there mm. in in the right place that's yeah. what's really really important yeah um, i really like that advice 
um, it's really tangible. It's something someone can really put into practice. One thing I still wanted to ask you, especially as a, a very senior creative now, and having gone through that um, transformation, so to say, of you know establishing yourself as a female leader, but also finding the balance of not uh, changing your authentic self into becoming a male leader, but embracing mm-hmm. some parts of you as a female leader. And just hearing, you know, as someone um, that has a team and managing a team, how do you do you treat the males and females the same in your team? How do you navigate that space? Do they also um, treat you differently, male, your male um, uh, inferiors, so to say, versus the female ones? Or what has your experience been? I think, gosh, that's, that's, that's a little bit of a tricky one. But mm. no, I do not think that I treat sort of my male and female team completely differently. I feel Mm -hmm. that I've always had the same approach. Mm -hmm. I think what I do have as a female is a little bit more of that sensitivity Mm -hmm. or that understanding. Mm -hmm. So life happens, things happen. So I feel that I have more of that sort of like nurturing nature to be like, don't worry. However, these are sort of the boundaries that we need to, to follow in this situation. But I completely understand And how can I help you as a Mm -hmm. professional in the most professional way? Mm -hmm. Um, I know, and I don't know who ever said this, but I once heard someone sort of quote a saying of always be the leader that you wanted your leaders Mm. to be. Mm -hmm. So we always think Mm -hmm. of like those people who mentored us along the way. And I was very lucky. I had the most incredible mentor when I was studying in the States. His name is Steve Huff and he led the, um, the creative department at Virginia Western. Mm-hmm. And he, to me, was that leader that I am so grateful that I have, but I've always kept in the back of my mind of mm-hmm. what would Steve say like in this situation? What would mm-hmm. he do in this situation? And, and I think it really is about having this understanding that we are still people in mm-hmm. a very stressful world and how can I help this person from in a personal way, but also in the most professional way possible? Mm-hmm. Um, I have found, though, that it was quite interesting, especially when I was working in agency, that the men in my team kind of, especially when it came to those personal conversations, I didn't feel that they could approach me, even though I knew that I was or hope that I was a yeah. really <laughs> approachable person. Um, they, I found that the men or the, the males sort of, gosh, now, now I've lost my, my train of thought. Mm, no <laughs> um, I found that they, they didn't want to approach me as, or it wasn't as easy mm-hmm. as, um, sort of the, the females in, in my team did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, th- I thought that that was quite interesting. And even if I was like super, like that we had like good sort of communications and we had like a good energy together. Um, that we could collaborate really. It was when that mm-hmm. personal life mm-hmm. came in that it was a little bit more tricky. And maybe it was them also not wanting to overstep any boundaries. I'm mm-hmm. not too sure. Maybe yeah. that was like something subconsciously from them that they thought if I went to Lauren with like this personal issue, like am I overstepping this like personal boundary? Mm. Um, but yeah, but right now, especially at Superside, I'm finding that we have such this beautiful balance. And maybe it's also because everything is remote. 
Mm-hmm. You're not sort of sitting in person. So if people feel it's a little bit more easier to gravitate or to sort of open up about issues. Mm-hmm. But I feel at the moment I have this beautiful balance because my team currently is 50. It's a, it's a beautiful 50-50 split. Wow. And I find that both parties, no matter male or female, can really approach me with any issues that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, That's amazing. So, yeah, maybe it is just this remote yeah. nature. But I think it's also got a lot to do with... The, the energy and sort of the motivation that Superside mm. has created in their community, because that's what we call ourselves. We're in this community. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what it definitely feels like. And maybe that is helping people to feel that it's a people business instead mm-hmm. of just like a hardcore agency where I don't feel I can have those personal relationships with my leaders. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. I'm trying to think that if I did or if I didn't. <laughs> so I'm sorry if I didn't. <laughs> um, yes, I think it was <laughs> informative either way. Um, so I, 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 I had a bit of a um, a question for you. Because so one of the things that I think um, maybe it's it's a question that's yet unanswered in the in the um, professional landscape, but you, you know, as you're sort of mentioning the fact that um, previously some of the men that, that were sort of in your um, environment felt a little bit uncomfortable um, approaching you in some aspects. And, you know, w- when I'm thinking about it um, with myself personally, um, I can kind of understand it. And I don't think in a sense it's really a it's necessarily about you specifically. Um, you, you know, if you've if you've kind of been in a working environment before um and it it was let's say a very um, like a place that did not have um, many women in it you wouldn't have had to engage with a woman in that specific kind of context so you you've got almost like no previous experiences to call upon on like what the social graces are how to like correctly engage and how to do so respectfully without breaking boundaries, but then at the same time opening up. Because I think opening up in a professional context already is is uncertain ground, regardless of whether it's a man yeah. or a woman. And then, you know, when you add another layer of complexity to it, it's like another area of uncertainty. And so I think generally as a society, I don't think we've completely figured out what it looks like for men and women to be working together at the same level, yeah. across all the levels of of, of um, seniority and 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 capability, mm. I think there are still almost like social norms that we need to develop, um, um, mm. so that we can we can um, effectively work together, and um, sort of I guess a little bit on a, a a bit of a parallel point, something that you mentioned earlier about having like a lot um, a a really good mentor in your journey. Um, did you have any people that you were sort of able to model yourself against that were like um, women in leadership? And I guess I'm, I'm I'm asking the question because I'm I'm assuming that it's it's a sort of different experience when you've got somebody to sort of model your behavior after and kind of at, like use as your blueprint versus when you're kind of just um, going out into the okay, into the unknown yourself. <laughs> um, so so what is your experience like? I think it's such a beautiful question. And I do hope that in the future, there's going to be sort of females that have a completely different answer. Mm -hmm. But I had absolutely no females at all that I could look up to and be like, 
that is definitely the kind of leader especially sort of identifying as a female that I would like to be. Mm -hmm. um, it was definitely influences outside of the creative world, but it was never someone directly sort of in my realm or in the agency I was working at. Mm -hmm. And I think what was really sad is at one of the agencies that I worked on, there was a female MD, mm -hmm. but unfortunately there was not a level of respect that the majority of the people in the agency had for her. Mm. And I think that's so sad. Like yeah. you think amazing, like someone's at a global agency and they are female, but they had no respect. And it was also because she was navigating a space of how your traditional agency sort of space had moved forward and in a very male sort of kind of blinkers or blinders. She had like male blinders on. So mm. she thought like a man and she did everything sort of to make sure that she still remained one of the guys. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So as I say, I really do hope that there's going to be a lot more females who can say, especially in agency or the creative world, mm -hmm. I have this incredible leader or there was this leader that I collaborated with and that's who I would really love to be or sort of establish myself as a leader in that same way. Mm -hmm. So it was completely outside. But even yeah. if you think of, if we're looking at sort of in like culture or movies, all those male, or sorry, all those female sort of roles, like we think of, this is such a silly example. Prada. I was just about to say that. <laughs> if we think of Meryl Streep's role in Devil mm -hmm. Wears Prada, um, or even Anna Winter, I mean, mm -hmm. she's she's known as being brutal and like harsh. Mm -hmm. um, and even the way, even though she was a female, she sort of, navigated in like your traditional like this is how a man would sort of mm -hmm. like sort of mm -hmm. uh, guide a company um so Steph I'm so glad that like we were on like that same <laughs> wavelength, wavelength because but that, that's sort of the, the roles or the, the leaders that the females have been brought up kind of yeah. seeing and I know it's changing mm -hmm. I, I do know that it's changing and I know that also and um Alfie you said like sort of how do we approach the space with grace I think that's a mm -hmm. really beautiful way of putting it mm -hmm. because also now we're in a world where Female and male is not going to become a thing anymore. I mean, mm. it's we are we have the a beautiful opportunity where people can truly identify as to how they want to identify as, mm -hmm. and that's what's going to be really important is mm. navigating spaces where people, no matter who they identify as, have a voice. They have a platform and they have the same opportunity and respect as everybody. And mm. that is going to be a very slow moving kind of environment or sort of a road. Mm -hmm. But I do hope that everybody has the tools or that especially your larger corporations or agencies can help guide and navigate that path in the right yeah. way. Mm -hmm. And respect always comes up. It's respecting people for what they can do and what they can offer in the space that they're working in. Mm -hmm. so so yeah yeah that's amazing I definitely also also agree things things are changing uh mm. i mean us speaking to you as a female senior leader in the creative space is just proof um and i know you are a good leader because you were one of my first managers and i have enormous respect for you and i look up to you so much um, so I'm, I'm really just happy we, we had the, the chance to speak to you, but mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, thank you from my side. No. So, thank um, you. And as I said, let's just hope that, uh, oh, sorry. 
Sorry. Sorry, I, I, I actually I had one more question. This changes. Mm. Mm. Um, so I, I, I do know we're sort of heading into the, into the closing stages of this, but I had one more question. I think it's really important, and it's sort of on the strain of that ment- the mentorship topic we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the fact that you didn't have um, many um, people that you could sort of model yourself after. So what might you say to somebody who's sort of like, they've been a, in the design space for a while and they've kind of established themselves from a craft perspective? But they're looking to sort of take that next step to actually become um, a manager or a leader in some in some other fashion. What would you sort of say to them in, in how to actually navigate that process? Either tips that, that that you think would be helpful or lessons that you learned along the way. Gosh, a lot of pressure on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you you do have to remember that once you start moving into leadership you are no longer dabbling in as much craft. Mm -hmm. So be sure that you feel as a creative, you have said what you have wanted to say and that you have moved your craft to the best of your ability Mm -hmm. and that you're ready to step away from the craft a little bit. Mm -hmm. Being a leader is not only just about knowing good design, but it's about knowing how to be good to people Mm -hmm. and making sure that you can help them. Mm -hmm. And it's, it takes work. It takes time. Um, a, a lot, a lot of more people will need a lot more of your time than others will. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing for me is make sure that creatively you have said what you've wanted to say and that you are ready to step away from the craft. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. It is so, so difficult. Um, and that also applies if you're going to be opening or freelancing as well. 80% or 70% of what you do is your craft and the rest of that, like 40 or 30% is going to be admin and it's going to be dealing with people and it's going to be forming relationships mm-hmm. and promoting yourself. Yeah. But make sure that you are confident in yourself and in your voice mm-hmm. and that you know that you can be, yet again, that leader that you've always wanted or that you've respected in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also very important to don't be afraid to ask for those opportunities I think a lot of times, a lot of creators just get stuck in that rut and like 10 years down the line, they're like, gosh, I'm still a C- mm. I'm still just a designer. Like, mm. what, what, have, what have I really done? Mm. So make sure that you're always sort of keeping those feelers out for something different and for something new or finding those gaps. Where is there a gap in my team where I can actually fill it as a leader or I can start sort of moving forward in my relationship as, oh, sorry, my, my journey as being a leader? Mm-hmm. That's what's also important. But yeah. you always have to keep your eyes open. Mm-hmm. And also in how fast our sort of industry works, mm-hmm. never feel that you're always tied down to one agency because the agency that you're in right now might not be able to give you the opportunities that you either deserve or that you really want. Mm -hmm. That's what's really, really important. And also collaborate and make sure that you are connecting with leaders that you respect, even if they're not a part of your team. Mm. Be open and ask like, hey, like, Alfie, would it be okay if I come and sit in one of your meetings? You Mm. can learn from those people. Mm. And they will respect you for that, of wanting to learn and grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But make sure that you guide your own path. No one else is going to guide it for you, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Especially with larger agencies. I hate to say this, but you are just another number. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have to sort of make sure that you're your own number one mm-hmm. and that you're the one who has your own voice. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Yeah, so I think important. that's really, really important. And I think mm-hmm. we do. We, we also... 
you have to get part of the imposter syndrome. It's so much part of our like creative sort of mindset. Mm. Um, and some days you don't have it. A lot of days you do, mm-hmm. but make sure that you always believe firmly that you deserve to be where you are, especially if you've worked really hard, mm-hmm. but you have to navigate your own path and you have to make it for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And have a voice, have a strong one. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. Even if you're like really nervous inside, (laughs) make sure that you, you really are confident in in what you want to do and where you want to go. Yeah. That's really great advice. And I think also a fantastic place for us to close the discussion. Um, As, as Stephanie has already sort of mentioned, Lauren, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show with us. And thank you so much. Yet again, it's, it's an important conversation and I really do hope that the conversation will change um, sooner mm-hmm. than later. Um, but yeah. Definitely. So, but thank you. <laughs> um, maybe before, before so much, we, we let everyone go, Lauren, can you just let people know where they can find you? In, you know, is there anywhere that you'd like to be contacted or anywhere that you maybe share some of your thoughts and amusing? <laughs> So you can actually find me through my little studio. It mm-hmm. is Soap and Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sort of you can find on Facebook, website, Instagram. And then, of course, um, there's also a lot of movement always within Superside. Mm-hmm. So you can probably find something that I'm doing or saying or sharing sort of on their platforms as well. Amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great Um, day, everyone. (laughs) Thanks so much. And thanks, everyone, for listening. See you next week. Bye.